by the time you hear this podcast, you'll be ready to be the best car salesman of all time. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. Oh, hold on. I had you muted again. My bad. And I'm moved. <laughs> I am moved. I'm kidding. I'm Ben, but I am mo- I am also moved. That's, uh, God, man, that's high, that's high school right there, man. That's that, that simping song, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That and Never Had a Dream Come True. Those are the two. Oh, man. Yes. S Club 7. Yes. Can't wait for their tell-all. <laughs> did Max Martin write that? This song? No, no. Two no, did he, did he write Never Had a Dream Come True? I don't think he did that one either, no. Okay. He I was know he did some big, stuff for them. But he wasn't like, you know, he was just coming off of the Britney stuff. So he wasn't the Max Martin that we know now that, you know, it's like a Rick Rubin just walks in and says, yeah, that sounds good and leaves. But <laughs> <laughs> he was still, you know, still Dennis, Dennis Pop's influence and stuff and he still had some um, some stuff to work through, but I mean, I, I can hear it though. It's got that you know that European sound. They're just good with melodies, you know. Um. Oh man, I was trying to find who who wrote that song. Oh, it's um Steve Mack and Wayne Hector were the writers. They did some work with Westlife. Um. Uh, okay. So the song that so Steve Wayne Hector wrote, um, "Flying Without Wings," the Ruben Stuttered. American Idol track. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that song was okay. Well, I'm talking about S Club Seven. Oh, never had a dream come true. I don't know who wrote that. Let's see. Oh man, that's a classic. <laughs> it's a pop classic. That was oh wow. Kathy Dennis. Kathy Dennis. And Simon Ellis. Kathy Dennis wrote part of Toxic, I believe. Yeah. Also Too Many Walls and I want to think she co-wrote "I Love You Always Forever." Let me let me click. She's 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 one of those writers who has done more than you realize. Yeah, because I remember like she did. She had the song um, "Touch Me," which was a cover, but 
it became a hit in the early 90s. Yeah, so the song oh, she wrote, she written, co-wrote Can't Get You Out of My Head, Kylie Minogue. Yeah, I Kissed a Girl, Toxic, Toxic. were her two biggest, I think, Come Into My World, which is another Kylie Minogue song. And then on her own, what else did she have? Because I, I want to think she I had, know she had the, the Touch Me and uh, Too Many Walls. Too Many Walls is probably my favorite by her. And the Come On, Get My Love was what she did with D-Mob. Yeah. So, yeah, Kathy Dennis, that's crazy. That is yeah. wild. Is she British or is she American? She is British. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, so, a little pop music history there for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, again, welcome to the the podcast. Uh, you can see our social medias on the bottom of the screen. Um so let's get into some music news. Uh, we talked about them last week, and it happened. Unfortunately. It happened, unfortunately, rather quick, um, actually. Yeah, I think it was what two days later. Yeah, if if, if <laughs> even that, it felt um, like it's maybe I was in the office. So it was Friday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, DMX uh, passed away at age fifty uh, from the uh, the complications of his heart attack. Um, now the story that I read initially is that he overdosed, which caused the heart attack. And that I believe that turned out not to be true. Okay. So he did not overdose. He did not overdose. He was not doing any drugs. Okay. That's, um, I mean, in all of this, I guess that's a bit of good news. Um, I know that's one of the things we mentioned on last week's episode was you hate to see another rapper die like this. Um, talking to a friend's family over the weekend, you know, who are DMX fans, like you would, you just hate to see another, you know, not just black man, but a rapper, a musician, really anyone like that. But just like with the amount of rappers as of late that have been ODing, like you just like, damn, another, like, come on, man. Yeah. So I'm glad that's not the case. Uh, he, he, I mean, he had some, el- some health issues. He did suffer from asthma mm-hmm. throughout his life. Um, <clears throat> But I think it was just the, it it was a, it was a heart attack, y'all. Yeah. All right. Now, did hit the drug use bring about the heart attack throughout the drug use throughout his life? I mean, it can be that, but I, I'm not gonna believe the overdose part. I think that was sensationalized, and uh, it's in poor taste, really. Yeah. If uh, you know, you're trying to trying to kick him, but I don't think that's uh. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was a heart attack. Yeah. That's it. Um, but uh, we will be um, honoring him on this episode, at least with our earworms. And um, I, uh, we, we discussed this, uh, talking about an album for an episode. Mm-hmm. I also suggested, I don't know if Ben saw that text message. I think the I film, <laughs> uh, the film backstage um, which is about the Hard Knock yeah. Life tour. Um, I think that's it's a, I, that, that's a documentary to me that I don't think that gets a lot of. I've never even heard of it. Until yeah, I, I heard about it when it came out, but I've never seen it. But I thought that might be a good one because at that time you're looking at Jay Z, DMX, and Ja Rule, and Wu Tang. Oh wow! All on the same tour. Okay. Um. So yeah, and it's not just a concert film. It's mm-hmm. it's an actual documentary. Okay. So I thought that might be interesting. We'll we'll be to we'll we'll keep you guys updated on what that might be. I keep forgetting. You you can't see when I see stuff because I have 
I don't have an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> I just found out the other day that if someone else has an Android, you can now send like emojis to them. Like, you know how you like on an iPhone, you can like the picture. Yeah. Or like the whatever they said, you can do that now. But you don't have an Android phone, so I can't like your stuff. So, yeah. I Man. know. I know you don't care. I don't. I know you don't care. I really don't. <laughs> I found out by accident. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, rest in peace to DMX, yeah. and um, we'll we'll have a DMX centric topic coming to you very soon. Um. So, uh, Ben, I well, you you brought this up earlier. If you want to Ooh. discuss it, because uh, oh, yes. I've seen a couple of like singles, and I saw the parenthesis as Taylor's version. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, oh, are, is this the re the re recordings that that yeah. we had discussed before? So, um, <laughs> so, at least with Fearless, it's with Fearless, right? Yeah. So she's gonna do all six albums, her first six albums, I guess, because she can. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so essentially, you know, as the story goes, Scooter Braun. So there's a, and I'll, I'll share this. Um, I don't know if we can, if you can share the link in the show notes. Um, but I would encourage, you know. Listen to Vox put out a podcast about this. And then there was, I believe, an entertainment lawyer or an IP lawyer who did a really long Twitter thread that gave you a lot of background into it. Both very good sources. Um, but essentially what happened was, you know, after her first six albums. So her fir the first deal she signed for her first six albums, as a lot of artists do who are starting out and unproven, you don't keep your publishing. Right. You know, and you don't keep you and you don't keep your master recordings and your master recordings are essentially um, the audio tracks that you record for those albums, which are very valuable because if you want to, you want to license them out, you've got to be able to whoever owns the copyright to them can do whatever you know what they please. Um, and so I know in her case, you did have to get for for licensing or not just in her case, you do have to get the writer's permission as well, in which she is a writer or the writer on every song she's ever done. So that'll factor into in just a second. So when she decided to leave Big Machine Records, which is the record company she got signed by, she was Big Machine Records. So after they left to try to recoup a little bit, they sold her catalog. The company that bought. So people think that Scooter Braun bought it. It's just the company that Scooter Braun represented, worked for, whatever you want. It wasn't Scooter Braun himself. Bought the, the rights to the songs. Um, she apparently before she left. She tried to renegotiate with Big Machine and get all of her publishing back for the first six albums, and they said no. So that's why she left. So now, um, as years have gone on, she has tried desperately to buy back, but they won't sell. Um, so, in a, and I don't want to say in a fit of anger because it's it, they are her songs, they're personal. Essentially, now what she has decided to do is she has gone back and tried to track down all the producers, the writers. Everyone, the, the musicians, even everyone who was involved in those first six albums, and she is re-recording all six of those albums um, and will put them out and will start to license out those versions of those songs, essentially. Um, so basically everything after 1989 is what she is. Everything before 1989, my bad, is what she's re-recording. That's. Um, yeah, it's something that she doesn't have to do yeah uh but it's to i guess to to prove a is it to prove a that's point that's what it feels like like at first i was like jesus this is petty 
Like, how far will you go to to prove that you're right? But then again, there's also the artist part of this, you know. So I liken this to what Dave Chappelle just did. Dave yeah. Chappelle asked his fans to stop. To, to stop watching yeah. Chappelle's show, uh, streaming on Netflix. To make it, essentially make it worthless is what he wanted his fans to do. Yeah. And that's what she's attempting to do here. She's basically saying, you know, I tried to play ball. Big Machine won't give me what I, or, you know, whoever owns this won't give me what I want. So I'm going to make their $300 million investment worthless and re-record all of my songs and ask streaming services to take off <laughs> You know, to go with my versions of these songs instead of the old versions. And the same thing with people who want to license. Do you think streaming services will do that? Like, because the art, that's what the artists want? Because you've heard this all, uh, I don't know if you've heard this also about Anita Baker. Yeah, she's uh, doing the same thing. Yeah. She, I think most of her stuff is already, it's off Spotify at least. A yeah. lot of her stuff is already off of it. But she doesn't want people to stream her music or buy any of her music mm-hmm. uh, until she gets until she gets her masters basically. Yeah. Um, but do you think that if you were, if you were Spotify or Apple music mm-hmm. and that's what the artist wanted and they don't, they don't own the music, but this is a way for them to possibly get that music as far as their publishing or their mm-hmm. masters. How do you see it? And what would you do? <laughs> so it would depend because Taylor Swift has the ability to take both versions off. So, mm, yeah, because I mean, up until two years ago, I believe, you know, nothing of hers was even on Spotify. And then someone said that as an active, this is why she got, we called her the fake news of pop music because on the same day that Katy Perry released her album, she decides to start streaming on Spotify. She is so petty. Like it's so petty. petty. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, I think if anything, what she'll probably do is tell Spotify, like, hey, I'm taking this off and replacing it with Fearless, the Taylor version. Her fans are rabid. They'll support it. They've already made, they already made, when she released Love Story, they made it the top song on iTunes. So she's got a crazy enough fan base to do it. You know, no offense to her fans. So if I am, if I am Taylor Swift, I mean, if I'm if I'm Spotify, I do it just because um, getting her on your platform when she wasn't there before undoubtedly boosted what boosted their numbers because they're already the biggest streaming service in the world. I don't think people realize that everyone thinks it's probably like Apple Music. It's, it's Spotify. And really, the reason why is that free service, the free the free option they offer this ad supported. That's why. Um, but the amount of people that you got to come over. I imagine this was like when Netflix decided to to spend all that money on friends. It just made sense because <laughs> like, you got people like, I will cancel Netflix without, I don't know why, but I'll cancel Netflix if there's no friends. And they're like, okay, yeah, $9 billion. Here you go. Like it's worth, it's worth it because the amount of money that you'll lose if you don't do it is astronomical. Yeah. So you, you make that, you make that decision. Um, I I mean, now, as as was postulated, uh, this would not work if another artist did it. Case in point, a lot of your favorite '90s bands—I can't say for '90s like R&B and stuff like that—but a lot of your favorite '90s bands have re-recorded their their albums. Um, a lot of them have done it. Trapped has done it. Um, I think Stroke Nine, if you remember that band, yeah, they've done it. There are a lot of bands who have gone and re-recorded like their early albums. 
And I never knew why. And I'm wondering if this is why, because they don't own the masters or publishing, because, you know, these are the types of contracts you're given when you're unproven, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's and that's another thing I want to get your thoughts on. So Dave Chappelle, I think, came out against it the strongest. Taylor Swift, not as much. But, you know, he said we want to change the way they eat. He I mean, like so in his in his mind, he wants to stop the practice of giving um, studio favorable contracts to new artists or new performers or new talents. And when I watched him do that, my my you know my thought is always what we always say: read your contract. Dave Chappelle says, "Okay, I read my contract. I had people in the room that I thought I trusted, and they still screwed me over." My response to that is, I have two responses: a, you could would you do this? Would you give back all of the fame that you've earned because of that contract, where they essentially took a chance on you? to get a more favorable contract in which maybe they don't promote you as much or would you, you know, or, you know, or not, or not really an, or would you do that? Or would you just be happy with them not taking a chance on you? Because essentially what you're asking for is a contract that gives you more than you might be worth right now. Not saying that Dave Chappelle is not talented. Dave Chappelle is considered the best comedian on earth right now. And is, is, you know, considered one of the best, even by his contemporaries. They consider him one of the best, you know. But without that contract, do we even know who Dave Chappelle is? If they don't, you know, he had gotten turned down by HBO, he said. <laughs> HBO didn't want you. Comedy Central takes a chance. They give you a contract. It's favorable to them because they're taking all the risk. Well, I think in this case, um, in the case of, like, Dave Chappelle, he had other options Mm -hmm. you know he could if he wanted to i think another network would have if he's like i'm going to well he had to go to another cable one another cable network to Mm -hmm. to get what he's trying to do but i'll go to this other cable network and they'll scoop him they'll 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 pick him right up they'll Mm -hmm. sign him right away uh if he wanted to before before the show, mm-hmm. before getting the show, if he wanted to stay with going out on tour, just do stand up, just do stand up, mm-hmm. doing movies here and there, because he had done half baked, he done half, he done half baked, <laughs> men in tights. Um, he was going to do for he turned down playing Bubba yeah. in Forrest Gump because he thought the script was stupid, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> He uh, he ended up being in You Got Mail with Tom Hanks because Tom I've Hanks is a huge fan. Oh, he is. He's a huge fan of Dave Chappelle. Wow, I didn't know Because he, he always wanted to work with him. So him being an actor, comedic mm-hmm. actor or whatever, those opportunities <laughs> were always there. Yeah. He just, I think because, uh, because we haven't seen him in a lot of movies, you don't think he's, he's getting the opportunities, but he has. Mm-hmm. He does get the opportunity. He was in... Uh, uh, a Star Is Born, the yeah. Bradley Cooper version, and a lot of people probably don't even know that. Nope, I did. I was very surprised <laughs> to see him. Uh, he was in Chirac, the Spike Lee movie. I don't think he I was think in that. Okay. Uh, so the the roles are there. I, he's probably getting scripts all the time, mm-hmm. but he's he's very picky and choosy, mm-hmm. and he wants to. Um, like a comedic Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> he yeah, he's gonna take care of his family in a certain way. Yeah, you know he he's he lives on a farm in a small town in Ohio. Mm-hmm. 
and he, that's where he wants to live. Yeah. So he doesn't, you know, if he's picking and choosing what mm-hmm. projects to do, uh, he could still do that, and I don't think he'd miss the money. Like, if he's yeah. able to walk away from $50 million so easily, yeah. you kind of got that back. Mm-hmm. So, Which, to me, I mean, it, showed that they had faith in him, though. So, like, he gets out there, he proof of concept, and they reward him with a massive contract. So I felt like they... I but he was also, because of how everything went down and how mm-hmm. he was treated, he was willing to walk away from it just as easily as he signed it. No, exactly. So, because I know he's, he's got his principles. But I guess more so in thinking of in the first, and I didn't even realize this until I went back and watched it. Literally every episode, he's like, pay me, pay me. Like he knew from the jump, like I'm, he's on a bad contract. And he's saying, pay me, pay me. I'll do a special like for y'all, but y'all can't afford me. Like <laughs> he, out, he outperformed the rookie deal. Yeah, he basically. did. He did. And they gave him a max contract afterwards. But then he had the change of heart, didn't like the message that he was delivering. And he walked away, which I can respect. But, like, I kind of feel like Comedy Central did what you do. Like, prove yourself. Okay, you've proven that you're the hottest thing on cable TV right now. You've got a contract. And I feel like that's essentially what they were doing to Taylor Swift. Now, six albums is a very long deal. Like, I feel like you don't really hear people getting six album deals anymore. They get five. Even back in, like, 2000. (laughs) They never make it to number three. You never make it. You never make You don't make it to number three. (laughs) Even back then, though, like that seems like a lot of albums to make and it seems like a standard contract. Now, if you want to change that for everyone, I fine. that's cool. But as I've always said, house always wins. The record companies have been doing this for far longer than the artists. And if you if you start giving out those contracts where they're, you know, heavy up front. You know, you get those what those Scotty Pippen contracts where <laughs> it was a good contract at first, but then it was like no, no, <laughs> they're telling you it's a bad contract. Like we're negotiating <laughs> with you, but I'm also telling you this is a bad Do contract. You shouldn't sign it. I just feel like at some point the record companies are gonna they will find a way. Yeah, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm getting. Oh, then they came up with 360 deals. So it's like you know, I think record yeah. companies will will. You know, if they're the, the you know among the big names, yeah, then they're going to. They will do everything to to push an artist. They mm-hmm. will they will, the the marketing and the branding and the advertising that will be there, uh. But as we, and as we'll learn with yeah, our main topic, kind of goes into a topic today. The you know you the then you start hearing words like recoupables mm-hmm. and. You know, the the things that you are responsible for that you don't even know, but it's in the contract. Yeah. That's why, you know, that's, you know, we go go back to the new edition story. It's, it, this is, yeah. as I, I, I know we'll get, well, it's our main topic, but it's like, this is a story as, as old as time, yeah. really, as far as I mean, contracts goes go. back to, I mean, it, it, as far back as I can remember, artists being left penniless because yeah. of bad contracts. And... In some cases, and I mean, I'm not saying that I've deluded myself to side with big business, but I do think there is a risk that a record company takes on. Yeah. And I do believe because I feel that this is the only place where the commodity is just as valuable as the company promoting it. Because you think of like, you know, if I'm if we're business owners, if you and I decide to go in 
and, and make a restaurant, we're not going to get the most favorable terms for a business loan because we're unproven. We're not McDonald's. We're not Taco Bell. But, you know, once we prove that we're McDonald's and Taco Bell, that's when maybe the money, getting the money to do things would be easier. In the music industry, like the com- like even if you're unprov- unproven, you're still a valuable commodity. You're still more, you know, because the ability to do that is is not unlimited. You yeah. know, everyone can't write a hook like, you know, like like Taylor Swift can. So I think it's kind of one of those things where it's hard to classify who's really taking the chance because Taylor Swift gave you six albums of material. She got famous. She got this and that. But she gave you six albums of material that she can she could never own unless she did this that yeah. she could never own. So where is the you know, where is the line? It's like, yeah, we invested millions of dollars. Well, I invested like years and years of experience and music and all this. So it's kind of like, you know, where, where, you know. You still want to, I mean, if people still go back and listen to those albums and have an appreciation for them and she can, she can't perform them in concert, at least not right now, but she still wants to, I guess, profit off of her own work. Yeah. And. She feels that she can't in the way that she feels she should. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's doing this. I don't know if, I mean, if it's, if it's worth it to her, it's worth it to her. Yeah. So I'm not going to fault her for that. Is it going to work? I can't say yes right now. Yeah. I think she's really trying to, I think what she's trying to do, though, is what Dave is trying to do. She's trying to change the way in which the record companies see their artists. Yeah. And she's basically, if it works... And right now we don't know um, if it works. It could it could be a huge shifting point to where essentially you'll have artists who <laughs> I mean, I could see I could see an artist maybe who got a bad deal and they're only three albums in being like, I'll just re-record it <laughs> and take you out of the loop. And I'll just stop, I'll stop saying that it's OK and I'll do a smear campaign like I could see it happening. And then you have. I mean, the I, NBA you, maybe. <laughs> you have to have. Um, I think you know people who want to be recording artists. You have to. You gotta have. If it's if it's not you, you gotta have people in your corner that are going to look out for you in this way. Yeah. Um, you know, get get the entertainment lawyer first. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. I know some people are, will be so excited to sign something that you will you will sign a bad contract yeah. or a bad deal. Uh, I know there's a story about uh, OJ the Juice Man. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gucci owns his his songs. Yeah. Well, at least his biggest songs. So he hasn't made a dime off of his off of his bigger his biggest songs. Yeah. And he wouldn't be able to. I think there's a. Um, it's something to where he had to either sell a certain amount or he has to um, wait. Oh, yeah, it was like he wouldn't get it. He wouldn't start getting royalties uh, for 20 years after the song comes out, came out. Wow. So he's probably got 10 more years to go before he sees a dime mm. unless he can fight that in court. I don't know how. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer. Because then at a certain point. That's. I know it was like he had to wait 20 years. Because then it comes to a certain point, and this is something I hammer home in our main topic. At what point does personal responsibility come into play? 
Yeah. Like at what at what point do you just have to be held responsible for signing a bad contract? Yeah. I mean it when it come when it comes to that, I think they'll know. I think I think like Taylor Swift knows, so she's doing something about it. Yeah. Um but yeah, it does it I, I do I do agree. It it will be on the responsibility of that particular artist mm-hmm. to to recognize the issue and do something about it. Yeah. Um at that point, because just talking is I mean, you're not getting anything done. Yeah. Someone just made more money off of you in the time that you've been complaining. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, at a certain point, too, you have to wonder, like, what good are contracts then? Like, if essentially I can knowingly sign a bad contract and then two albums in, if I'm just not happy with it, I can just complain and make you the bad guy. Like, at, at that point, then, do I just stop? Like, all right, cool. We're not going to sign a contract. Here are going to be the terms of the album. And this is, you know, and this is what you're going to do. And, you know, we'll re-up on the next one. We'll see how this one goes and we'll re-up on the next one. And if your first one flops, eh, tough. You just, you're out. You're gone. You know, I could see that as a way that maybe they make the adjustment. Like, yeah, we'll keep you contract to contract. Album to album. Single to single, even. You know? <laughs> if You know, because it's just like at that point, like, this is a very, like, big machine. And the company that bought these you know, a $300 million investment can't be happy. Like essentially overnight, you just lost a lot of money. Like you were sitting on, what did uh Louis CK, you're sitting on like a million dollars in Prussian francs. Like you just can't do anything with it because like the artist is blocking it. And on top of that, they re-recorded it. So it's just like at that point, like I think it's one of those things that could really bring this industry to a halt in terms of like, you know, they talked about, you know, how Fleetwood Mac, I think of Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham sold publishing and, and and Bob Dylan sold publishing. And it's, it's interesting. I don't think, though, we'll really see the effects of this until maybe a few years down the line, maybe 10 years or so down the line when record companies have to adjust and artists become more savvy. You know, as we talk about, you know, new edition and looking back at how, you know, essentially like <laughs> Ricky Bell, Michael, well, Michael Bivens, he didn't get. He he didn't get pissy. He got smarter. Yeah. And I like the way he handled it because he because then he started teaching younger artists coming up tough lessons. You know, did you read your contracts? We lifted that line from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that line was lifted from the movie as he is schooling a younger artist. Did you read your contracts? Did Gerald said it to him first. Yeah. <laughs> the mouse. Let me stop. <laughs> Gerald Busby said it to him. So, you know. He went out there, he learned, and he might have done some uns- some unscrupulous things, but he also taught some younger people some tough lessons um, and learned how to adjust. And it just, it seemed to me like it was a more adult way to deal with it versus like, I'm going to tell the record company that they were wrong. Like, no, nah, bro, you, you signed it. And, you know, I'm not going to bury the lead here. We'll talk more about bad contracts. With our main, with our main content, you know, topic, lot of, lot of content there to talk about with bad contracts. But yeah, just you know, want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I was trying to fix something back here. The 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 stream stopped. Uh oh. So trying to get that fixed. Uh, but we'll uh, after our during our, the first earworm, we'll get, probably get it back up and running. So, um. 
if you're listening to the podcast, that's don't worry about it. You're not missing anything. Yeah. So <laughs> unless you're just, trying to sync it up like Pink Floyd style, then sorry. Okay, weirdo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, let's get to uh, well, one more story I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> well, we talked about a couple weeks ago um, with Aisha that um, the weekend kind of shunning the Grammys, uh, him not being nominated, um, and uh, at least for the, the from the Blinding Lights uh, album. Uh, but he has won uh, the Songwriter of the Year for the ASCAP Pop Music Awards. That's my group. I'm ASCAP, baby. I'm ASCAP. <laughs> ben is a member. Uh, so... He'll be looking for the Country Music Awards, the ASCAP Country Music Awards, if uh, there's such a thing. That's down the line, but yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, that's yeah. It's a it's that's a goal. goal. It's a, a goal. goal. It's yeah. A goal. yeah. It seems like a respected award. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So he was named Songwriter of the Year. Post Malone's Circles was named Song of the Year. Okay, and this is all through with ASCAP, right? Right. Okay. Okay. And Warner Chappelle Music took home Publisher. Of the year for the fourteenth time. Jesus, okay. Um, the weekend received the two most performed songs of the year for "Blinding Lights" and "Heartless," which are both number one of the Hot 100. Uh, the weekend now has thirteen of these awards, hmm. and uh, "Blinding Lights" is in the top ten for the fifty seventh week, which is a record. So I don't think at this point that it's unfair to ask the Academy why he wasn't nominated for anything. I think it's fair yeah. to ask. Like, the album has been massively successful. It's It seems to be critically acclaimed. Why? Why? Like, what's the reason? I, I don't think it's unfair to ask. I think, if anything, it speaks to their credibility in terms of letting, you know, telling listeners, not just listeners, but members of the Academy, like, why? Why was this, you know, why was this snuffed? Or snubbed, excuse me. Whoops. <laughs> Why was this snubbed at your awards show? Because it just, something does not add up. And its omission is making people like Maynard from Tool, Drake, you know, other artists, you know, it's making them look like they might have a point as to why they don't really support, you know, they support the Grammys or anything like that because it's already losing a lot of support anyway. You know, I think people... And and just kind of the way the entertainment industry goes now, just don't really see a need for it anymore. So I, I don't know, but I, I don't think it's unfair to ask. Yeah. Um, so I, I was trying to look up uh, the other award winners. I think Louis Capaldi was just nominated for something uh, for the song uh, Before You Go. Oh, he performed it. He performed it for the ceremony. Um, so, yeah. Uh ASCAP thinks the songs are good. I was, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's fair to ask the Academy. Um, let's look at the charts real quick. I wanted to bring the story about uh, Lil Nas X's Montero not being taken off of streaming services, but maybe I, it looks like it was just something he thought was happening, and then it didn't happen. So uh, it was number one last week. Uh, so we're going to go to this week. And the number one song, as expected, I guess, in a way, is <laughs> Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. 
as the number one song. Uh, number two is Montero. It was number debuted at number one last week. Number three, the nonsense song Peaches, <laughs> Justin Bieber. I had to hear that song so many times this past weekend. Uh, number four, Up by Cardi B. Number five, Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Number six, Save Your Tears by The Weeknd. Number seven, Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring The Baby. Debuting at number eight, Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. Number nine, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. And number 10, Astronaut in the Ocean by Masked Wolf. I have not heard this song. I have not heard of them. Um, I, I haven't heard of them either. Is this another, is this our every now and then an indie group? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somehow not, gets in no, there. No, I don't. I don't think it works that way anymore. It's did this song take off on TikTok? Hold on, this is a, this is a rapper. Is he white? Yeah, but he's Australian. So, but yeah, he's white. That's a little different. He's I from mean, Sydney. Yeah. Um, that's different. Okay. I'll check this out later. I mean, what's the what's the hip hop scene in Australia like? I don't know. It's probably down under. Let me stop. That was bad. No. <laughs> uh, oh God! Do they rap about Crocodile Dundee and Dingoes? I don't. I don't know. Crocodile. D I don't. They know. They don't even know who that is. Um, he was born in '92, so he probably has no clue. No idea. Um, Says he's a huge fan of American hip hop. Began writing at the age of 13. So. Okay, so talking about 2005. Oh, uh, Jesus, that is 2000. Oh, man. So who's, who, who's, who was hot in 2005? He's probably listening to a lot of Lil Wayne. Yeah. He might have been listening to, ooh, he's probably listening to Snap Music because that was pretty, Snap and Crunk was pretty big at the time. <laughs> uh, We'll see. Um, Oh, boy. I just, I have to see this now. If this article says who his influences were, because I swear if he was like, oh, I was really into the stylings of Lil John and the East Side Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and Shoddy Low. Um, so this article I'm reading kind of compares him to. Hmm, says it's dark and brooding with bass swelling, trappy production of early Pusha T. Hmm. So he's probably also a Pharrell fan. Probably. Just by association. We'll have to check this out and report back to the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's look at the Billboard 200. These are the albums. Number one, uh, Justice by Justin Bieber. Um, it was number two last week, and we'll get to what number one actually was last week. Number two, debuting at number two, Dancing with the Devil, dot, 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 The Art of Starting Over by Demi Lovato. Uh, number three, Soulfly by Rod Wave, which was number one last week. Number four, The Incomparable, The Redeemable, The Unstoppable, Morgan Wallen, and also Dangerous, because uh, Dangerous, the double album. I number keep four. holding on. <laughs> number five debuting at number five destined to win by Lil tj number six the highlights by the weekend number seven shoot for the stars aim for the moon by pop smoke number eight my savior by carrie underwood 
which debuted at number four last week. Is that is that a gospel album? I don't know, but she's back. She huh. is back. Uh, number nine, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. And number 10, What You See Is What You Get by the nicest man in country, Luke Combs. Oh, yeah, this is a gospel album. So Carrie Underwood has a gospel album. Yep. It is the first out al- the first song is Jesus Loves Me. Blessed Assurance. Nothing oh, but this, the blood of Jesus. This is this, gospel. This, it, now, these are got these are hymnals. <laughs> She's from Oklahoma, right? I think so. Yeah, she just went back to church. She just went back to what she knows. These are hymnals. Yeah. Um let's look at I wonder the- how many people know what a hymnal is. <laughs> They're like, what's a hymnal? <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. Good Lord. <laughs> Amazing grace. The oh rugged cross. Okay. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> how great thou art. Oh man, this is like she could sing these, she could sing these at my dad's church. She could yeah. come in there and uh, and like I don't know what page they're on, but turning your hymnals <laughs> to <laughs> to hymnal number, and she could go up there and, and tear it down, boy. Oh my god! <laughs> um, let's look at the uh, the artist one hundred. Uh, number one this week is still Justin Bieber. Uh, well, he was number three last week, unranked last week, and now number two. She has a new album, Demi Lovato. Number three, his first, I believe this is probably the first time he's been number one ever. Rod Wade was number one last week. He's number three this week. Number four, The Weeknd. Number five, Drake. Number six, Carrie Underwood. Uh, maybe she's looking for like some Dove Awards, win, some, win the Dove Awards too. Who knows, man? I want to hear how they sound because it might be one of those uh, we can put her in the Image Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she got them hymnals. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, hymnals. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, we might be back up in just a second. Okay, uh, that's on the stream. Uh, nothing to worry about if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, number seven, Billie Eilish. Number eight. Luke Combs, number nine, BTS, and number 10, Dua Lipa. Uh, Taylor Swift is number 12, and Ariana Grande, number 11. Um, Maybe people are realizing that's the Sexual Frustration album. (laughs) I don't know how far she's actually going to get. Uh, So, um, was there another story that we wanted to talk about? I couldn't remember. Uh, it can wait. I was gonna say it's it's. It, I think it was the uh, Soundgarden one, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, one we'll we'll yeah we can yeah yeah because we went kind of long on that first one. <laughs> we'll uh we can save that. We'll have more information soon because it's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um. So, Ben, uh, tell us about your earworm of the week. So, um. In honor of uh, of Earl Simmons, that was his real name. Um, this is one that I, I just never stopped listening to. Um, Who we be? I it's just a really aggressive song. <laughs> um, apparently, and I tried to go back and listen to it. Apparently, Scarface said that it, it's a flow that he kind of took from one of his songs. 
but he made an entire song off of it. And it's a very kind of, I mean, you will hear it. It's a very unique flow. It's, it's, it's not really like anything you would hear somebody doing a whole song and almost kind of, it could be gimmicky if he weren't doing it in his style. But I just love this song because he's just, he's really aggressive. He's really loud. I think it's DMX at his best. This is, this is how I like to remember DMX. All right. So this is who we be by DMX. It'll play. There it is. And we'll be right back. There's so many that don't know. This goes out to my Q. Rest in peace, baby. What they don't know is the board, the drama, the, the armor, the city, the farmer, the babies, the mama, the projects, the drugs, the children, the thugs, the tears, the hugs, the love, the slugs, the funerals, the wakes, the churches, the coffins, the heartbroken mothers. That is Who We Be by DMX. Which album is that from? The Great Depression. Yes. All right. Uh, a great, a, an incredible run. Yeah. Um, his first, I mean, people know about the first two albums come out in the same year, but his first five all went platinum. Um, <clears throat> fairly quickly. Yeah. I don't know if it was Backstreet Boys in sync level, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a day, but it I, I, probably in a week, insane, insane. <laughs> a couple weeks, maybe something like that. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, the stream is back up. So uh, hopefully there's another notification that we are live. So the stream is back up and uh, we are back. Let me adjust my camera real quick. Uh, that's good enough. <laughs> um, so we started the show with um, uh, the song All or Nothing by O-Town. Classic. Uh, so that should be, um, <laughs> you know, anyone who went to an eighth grade dance or later, <laughs> that song would have been played. And leave room for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um, we will be uh, talking about uh, the manager of the group, O-Town. Uh, there's a documentary made about him uh, called The Boy Band Con, The Lou Perlman Story. So we're talking about that mm -hmm. documentary. And, uh, oh, I did not mean to have that up <laughs> oh boy there we go now Ben's on the screen that's showbiz people <laughs> that's showbiz live podcasting okay so um so uh it's a documentary on YouTube mm -hmm. uh produced by Lance Bass and some others but first he, thing he's I know the big name he's yeah. the big name he produced this and um you can watch it on YouTube Originals. I thought I had to get a premium account so it would play without ads, but it just played. So um, the, the the story's too important, man. You can't put it up behind the paywall. <laughs> so it just played for me um, with, with no ads. So it may play that way for you, uh, that there is risk involved, I guess you might say. <laughs> um, but uh, it's about an hour and... 39 an hour and 40 minutes yeah um and uh, there's a lot of information it's a lot pretty riveting it's a lot and maybe some stuff you did know there's some stuff i didn't know yeah um but uh i mean there were <laughs> i wrote a lot of time there were like certain stories that are like that is ridiculous yeah um yeah and <laughs> it's this is a guy i don't i I made it in sociology, but I don't know if sociopath is the word to use. I wrote that. I wrote that. That may, it may be the word to use the, what, yeah. of what he is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you, you, I don't know about you, you've met people like this who just mm -hmm. like embellish and yeah. flat out lie about their status or what they do or what they've accomplished. Even and, minute things. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Just completely unnecessary. Um and as with any film, got notes. I got some notes. <laughs> I know Ben does too. I would like to say this before, because I think one of the things, if you've watched it, hopefully by now you've watched it. If you're listening, some of the notable absences from the from this documentary, yeah. um, you know, and now granted, you know, I would have expected more members of NSYNC. Well, I guess everyone you were missing Justin, which is the big one. Yeah. And Joy Fatone. Surprisingly, Joy Fatone did not participate. I don't know why. Yeah. I was a little surprised, too. But, Justin, because I feel he probably felt like I'm too big for this. 
I feel, I feel like that's the reason. It had to be like that had to be the reason. Like yeah, none of this are like yeah, all of this is true, but like man, like this is you know, this is something that you just you, you're dragging stuff up that I just don't want to be a part of. Um and then of course like most of the Backstreet Boys are missing. <laughs> I think the only one that participated was AJ. Yeah. Um So that's a, I mean, but I guess since it's a Lance Bass production, He's probably gonna have an easier time getting members of NSYNC than he would the Backstreet Boys. So, yeah. you know, one member of O Town. Um, uh, no one from that Hello. was a little surprising to me because I, I felt like they could have provided a le- even more insight. Mm-hmm. Um, Being there on TV and yeah, as far as like the, the, the whole reality was, TV yeah. angle um, and what was trying to be accomplished, uh, and honestly. I had never heard of Take Five. I thought it was Take That. I was like, oh, this is American. <laughs> yeah, never heard of Take Five. Uh, I never heard of Take Five. Innocence. I never heard of Innocence either. No, no, I hadn't heard of them either. Or the but other are they, group. Are they um, the um, Hispanic group? I had never heard of oh, them. Oh, C Note. I yeah, definitely never heard, yeah, of them. never heard of them. And I thought maybe, okay, I hadn't heard of them, but maybe it was because he did the same thing that he did with Insing and the Backstreet Boys, where. They took off in Europe first. Yeah, proof of concept. You gotta, you gotta blow up over there. And he just never got the opportunity, or or whatever happened, or maybe it wasn't successful. I don't know their story exactly, mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't really presented that way in the documentary, as far as them crossing back over to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, first note I had, because uh, they they kind of like did some clips of each person that was interviewed. Um, it could have been worse for Aaron Carter. I don't even want to say what we were because th- I've watched this. I, so this is my second time watching it. The first time I watched it with my wife, and the second time she came in, and it was when Aaron Carter was on screen, and she just like her head just kind of goes down, <laughs> and it's just like like this guy probably got it the worst. <laughs> It could have been worse. Like he came along when you were like eight years old. Yeah. Like, were you gonna start selling drugs by nine? Like, yeah. what? What was? Well, I mean, he 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 is. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, he just he looks like he made all the wrong choices. <laughs> like every time, and, he, like, and, and like without Lou Pearlman, what? How wrong? How how much wronger worse? choices? Yeah. Wronger yeah. choices? I mean, like this is. I mean, he essentially is the younger younger brother of one of the most famous people on earth at the time, in the Backstreet Boys, trying to make his own career. Yeah, and like you look at him, and it's just like it, it, it's almost like a Drew Barrymore type thing, where like you've got access to a lot of things that someone your age probably should not have access to. You're saying things in your songs like "One Time for the Rodeo." Who are you? Who are you hanging around? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you hanging with? <laughs> so yeah, I just yeah, but he like you 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 couldn't have you like you look at him and you go back and look at how I beat Shaq like it's like that's the same kid, Jesus. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it could have been worse for Aaron Carter. Um. I had this note, and once we we'll get to it. Justin Bieber market correction. For Aaron Carter? Oh, possibly, yeah. Possibly, because, I mean, they're essentially the same type of kid, you know, younger white guys doing black-style music. They could dance. They could kind of rap. Um, yeah, I think so. 
I think that's a, he's a market corrector. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. I, uh, the next one I was, I I don't know. I didn't know a whole lot about Lou Pearlman. Uh, but I did write down he 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 denied this to the end. Yeah, all the way to the end. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I had a lot of notes about like the first two minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this note actually did not apply because I thought that was somebody's mother, but she was actually one of the investors who lost money. Mm-hmm. About the parents can see it, but the acts can't. But throughout, mm-hmm. it, I was like, okay, actually, the parents couldn't see it either. No. Yeah. No. Um. One of them, somebody said he had a lot of different faces, but he was a nice guy. But you saw all these faces. Yeah. I, I feel that, like yeah. that's that's denial. You're still kind of, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the people who were to interview still have conflict. There's well, still yeah. some some conflict uh, with, um, what happened just, with what just what happened. Yeah. Because basically, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys... And, and then like all of his acts were born out of a giant scam. Yeah. You were born from a scam. Justin Timberlake owes his post Mickey Mouse Club career <laughs> to a scam. To a scam. Yeah. And maybe uh, that's why he didn't want to be on. Because he'd had to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was essentially, but it worked. Like that's the scary part about it. Like, yeah. you know, like you think of like Enron was a scam. But what Enron said they were doing was all a lie. So I think that's the key difference here. Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were born of a scam, but it was not a lie. (laughs) He could truly say, I manage two of the biggest boy bands in the world. And if you ask him to prove it, he could prove it. (laughs) You know, if you were to ask Enron, hey, how would you, you know, if you don't know how how it's done, I'm not going to explain that. But if you ask Enron, you know, hey, you know. How much profit have you made? They can tell you, but they can't show you. Lou Pearlman can show you. He can take you to a sold-out arena with a bunch of preteen and teenage girls screaming and be like, yeah, I managed this. And they'd be like, yeah, that's, that's Big say, Papa. I made this. I, I, even I better, made I made this. this. And, and funded it and everything. How'd you fund it? How'd you fund it? What? Hmm? Huh? What do you mean how I fund it? What are you talking about? Just, you know, money. I made this, yes, you know, <laughs> but how did you fund it? That's not the point. Does it matter? <laughs> Look at those abs. Does it matter? Um, uh, there was something that J.C. Chazay said uh, where I was like, dude, have an opinion. It was something he said. It was this was in the first minute and a half. Uh, oh, man, I can't remember. But he. Yeah, I don't feel I like a lot it. of them were going for the jugular. Um, a lot of them, and I don't know if maybe it's because they're trying to like, you know, how they say like a lot of uh, sports commentators that are coaches are quiet. They don't say a lot because they might be trying to get back in the game. What is JC trying to do? What is, you know, I think the ones that really gave it to him the hardest were maybe Lance, Ashley, and I would maybe say Chris Kirkpatrick. Like they're the ones who really, I do wonder if, cause he managed LF. Well, no, he didn't manage LFO. He just, yeah, he did. He did. Okay. I do believe if Rich were still alive, maybe Rich would have given it to him a little bit more. Yeah. Because Rich Cronin, rest in peace, he died of cancer a few years ago. Probably would have, would have been a little bit more outspoken. Um, But, yeah, like uh, some of them did kind of feel like they were pulling their punches. The artist said. Okay, he said, it's not for me to decide. 
as far as like how he should be remembered mm-hmm. or how he should be or what to consider of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're not the judge or the jury, yeah. but this affected you in a way. You are where you are because of him. Yeah. So that's what I was like having opinion. <laughs> like, dude, what do you think? Why are you, you know why you're being interviewed, okay? So I'm just like having an opinion. I will say the girl who gave it, to, the person that gave him to the most though was the member of Innocence. Yeah. She, I think if, I think if he were there, she would have kicked him in the ball. <laughs> like I think she hated She would have punched him or hit him guts. with something. She would have hit him with that stool she's sitting on. Like you could, <laughs> you could feel that through the, through the TV, how yeah. much she hated him. <laughs> like my goodness. Um. So yeah, um. So with the intro, the opening credits, if you will, uh, with Dirty Pop by NSYNC, uh, that was that was the perfect song to start the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just, <laughs> no, I, I think that, it that was. was yeah, I mean, it's so appropriate. Yeah. Even funnier, though, because they weren't with them anymore when they made it. But yeah, it yeah, it perfectly describes um, what was going on and and how we got there. Dirty money, dirty pop, dirty person. Yeah, and what what the life is, and basically the song kind of described that that time period as far as what um you know they were they weren't critical darlings. None of these girls no. were, had critically acclaimed stuff. I mean, no. some people look at "I Want It That Way" as a, a in a certain light, or they look at um. Uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if anything I don't I don't know if anything's like un, has I don't know if In Sync has that song from their Lou Pearlman time mm-hmm. like I want it that way for Backstreet no, Boys. No, they've got I don't think they've got any songs that come close to I want it that way. Um, not a rip on In Sync or anything like that, but like I mean the song is nonsensical. Oh, it makes like no even sense, after Lou Pearlman, nothing. No, I mean bye 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 is close, but well, bye 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 is part of the the no strings attached, which yeah. I thought was an entire diss album. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, but I mean, I can't think of anything that they just because I mean, like they're just like I wanted that one was just so massive, and I mean, if I feel like people our age understand how big it was, but people maybe younger than us, who you know who are maybe in their early twenties, you know. If you can just imagine just how big yeah. that album and that song was and then everything preceding it. You know, like even the Backstreet Boys never even, even topped it. <laughs> it became their signature song. Um, but um yeah, yeah, no, they they didn't do anything as big. Yeah. After, um, yeah. So at this point they talked to Ashley Parker Angel from O Town. You said the only member from O Town to appear. I uh, think and of everyone he he has aged the best. I yeah. think he is the one person who did not let this. He, get him he down. looks twenty five, yeah, and he's probably forty. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, the gym every day. <laughs> uh, I just wrote he met him and met Lou in the bathroom. Uh, I just thought of the Temptations movie. Oh god, <laughs> where they met Barry Gordy in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> I was maybe like, is that in that how it always happens? When did that movie come out? Because maybe that's where he got the idea. <laughs> 
That was like 97. So he might have gotten the idea. Because they, they, their first album came out in 2001, so they probably yeah, met him in 98, yeah. 99. And the Temptations come up. Apparently they gave the Backstreet Boys advice. Um, but yeah, that was a very creepy way to meet him. And I wouldn't have done it. But then again, I've never been in that position where this could make or break me. And this might be the only chance I get to talk to the great Lou Pearlman who made, yeah, he's creepy, but like he made the Backstreet Boys in, in sync. It's like, I, I don't know, people maybe were blinded by the success uh, at that point. We'll get to that. We'll mm-hmm. get to that. That's what, um, AJ calling him like he would have made an amazing car, used car yeah. salesman. <laughs> That's not a compliment, but I mean, hey, no. you know. <laughs> but I thought like Lou was the car salesman with with bigger dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, or so, tried to sell people on their dreams the same way a used car salesman. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it either way the the comparison fits. I mean, the first so I mean the first thing he observes in his you know when he starts when he decides to do this is he rents to five teenagers from Boston. New kids. And has no, like, who are these five kids from Boston and how are they affording to rent my jet? (laughs) And then it's like he, I feel like he studied Maurice Starr. (laughs) He just went and studied, like. Took it to a neck to another level. And took it, it, but took it to another level with what I I, I said was the Neverland Ranch. That's what it felt like. Big Papa Lou. He was a big kid just like us. Like, that's, like, if I'm Lance Bass's mom, is that not creepy to you, man? Like. (laughs) Like this adult and your kid and your child and it's, it's like, yeah, he's just like, no, he's not. He's twice your age. <laughs> no, he's not. He's your manager. You need rules. <laughs> you need structure. <laughs> um, uh, somebody said he has a way with words. And I wrote because I, I didn't know some of the other stories were coming. I was like, is he a predator? And mm. <laughs> I wrote, he has a way with words. And a couple of people, I think, said that. Yeah. Um, it seemed like one of those guys that will just like, and I think someone someone said this also, when you ask him a question, he just Talks gives you a word it. salad. Yeah. He'll talk around <laughs> just it all word day. Word salad and not, and, and not answer the question. Uh, similar to the 45th president. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave Holmes. Uh, that was a throwback. Hadn't seen him in a while. <laughs> no, you know the fir- the first thing I did think of is like Dave Holmes went uh, losing that. Remember they had a contest, yeah, and like he's clearly the best guy, but they give it to Jesse, Jesse the tall, <laughs> the tall, dude lanky with the weird dude accent. who may or may not have been on heroin. Uh, <laughs> Talk about may or may not. <laughs> okay, he was on heroin. <laughs> He was clearly on drugs. <laughs> like, he dressed like, and I mean, like, to his credit, not to go off topic, he was kind of ahead of his time. Like, as far as, like, how he acted and some of the things he did, but that's a whole nother story. But, yes, Dave Holmes, even though he lost, though, he still got a job. He still, yeah, they still gave him a job. Because <laughs> he was, like, as you said, he was clearly better. <laughs> was this, like, they did they do voting, or how did that yeah, work? Yeah, it was okay. by, yeah, people call in to vote. And they were just they like, you telephones. know what? we can still, oh, yeah, that's that's OG right there. <laughs> They're just like, we'll still throw this guy on, because clearly he is just better. No, it was probably like, we don't know if this Jesse guy is going to show up to work. 
<laughs> he might get too high. Wake up with a needle in his arm. You just you don't know. Dave Holmes, he's he's professional. He can read copy. He doesn't stutter. Like Dave Holmes looks like he could still he could still host a show now. Yeah. He wanted, yeah. I think he I think he does radio. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It makes um sense. so uh but with him saying Orlando is like Hollywood, but you can afford it. That was hilarious. <laughs> Because it makes it, and it's, it's it makes a lot of sense. Disney's there. Yeah, you've got a ton of people trying to to be in their productions. Did they film um, the Mickey Mouse Club down there? Were there studios? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah, that's you is that's where er- everything picking. was formed in in Orlando. Um, JC Shazay, Justin Timberlake were already on the Mickey Mouse Club there. Lance Bass came along, I guess through a. Um, I think AJ also got like the some mailer with yeah the audition. blue paper, the blue sheets he said which yeah. had all the industry stuff going on which is it's just wild I don't know what that is nowadays but it's just wild so you know this was what ninety five ninety six uh, this was like this was earlier than that brought what ninety three I think like ninety one ninety two when all this stuff was yeah, yeah when, they were, when they were forming yeah yeah okay yeah. So, yeah, you think about this 30, 20 plus, 30 plus years ago and the way in which, you know, you get this information, you get a, a, a long blue sheet of paper in the mail <laughs> that has all these auditions. And, yeah, that's what AJ got. That's how he found it. That's crazy. Um, uh, and, I, and I also thought of, like, Ryan Gosling was also almost a part of NSYNC. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't know. Well, I don't know if you've seen the video. I know, I think I've posted it. Maybe Brandon's posted it of when on the Mickey Mouse Club they sang Joe Deceased. Yeah, I would cry, cry, for, you. cry for you. Yeah. Ryan Gosling was part of that. Yeah. But, and he was almost in the group. That's hilarious. I could, I, who do you boot for him? Chris. <laughs> so, I had to pick somebody. I had to pick somebody. One of the, the one of the guys who shows up who shows yeah. up to talk about this. <laughs> I think if this happens, there. I think if if you get Ryan in there, he becomes successful and he doesn't show up for this. No, he's too big for this. Yeah, he he wouldn't be in this. He's pro- he. It was twenty nineteen. He might have been either filming or promoting La La Land. He's just not. <laughs> no, this was. Well, during the filming, he, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was yeah. filming La La Land. He'd have been yeah, fam- filming and or promoting. Yeah. On talk shows. Yeah. I don't have time for this, Lance. I appreciate the old days, but. <laughs> Lou who? Huh? Who, who was that? I never called him Big Papa Lou. That was y'all. <laughs> I knew it was up. <laughs> so that was creepy. They called him Big Papa Lou. It, mm. And I mean, thinking about these things as I'm sitting there, sitting, watching it again and knowing what's coming. Like, yeah, it's just it, it, it doesn't sit well. It does not sit well. The the long rehearsals in a hot studio, um, in a in a garage or a hangar. They said, I wrote very. This is very K pop esque. Yeah, like they're yeah. in there and they're putting in their 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 dues, you know, learning how to dance. Um, so I thought this was interesting. So I remember back in early two thousands when um, NSYNC did this, you know, really technically creative t- or technology creative performance, and they go to Kid Rock and. And they're trying to get him to, you know, agree that it was a good performance. And he goes, yeah, I guess from like, you know, a technology standpoint. And I like Kid Rock. I know he's a multi-instrumentalist. He plays a bunch of stuff. But even on his best day, Kid Rock could not perform the way that NSYNC performs. 
He just couldn't. Oh no, not, not no many way. people. Not many people in the industry could. Um, like if you think about it, at their concerts, they are going high energy doing cardio for about an hour, and they're singing, <laughs> and you can't stop and take a break. You're just going. You're going. And this isn't just random movements. You're not just running or doing jumping jacks. You're doing choreographed moves. You have to know your spots. You have to know all these different things. So that's how the sausage is made, like kids. <laughs> that's how it was made. The Backstreet Boys formed in 1993. Their first album, the one that had uh, Quit Playing Games With My Heart, which I think was feel like there was that first book singing in the United States. That was 96. Wow, that's so long ago. So they worked for three years yeah. before putting out anything, at least putting out any music. Maybe they did some shows or anything like that. But, um, yeah, so that's, that, that's, that's the K-pop angle. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're we're having to, you know, sing and do these dance moves without running out of breath. And that wasn't that was crazy. Learn how to sing without sounding out of breath. You can be out of breath, but you can't sound like it. <laughs> and I thought that was that was interesting because a lot of artists nowadays days just choose to lip sync. <laughs> but back then he was like, No, you're gonna sing to make the performance better. Um, I thought that was incredible. And if you've never seen a Backstreet Boys or NSYNC performance, first off, who are you? Second off, go watch one because they're incredible. They're in, especially if you watch them in their heyday, they were incredible live. Yeah. Um, the next thing I had was when you have money, do you feel like you can do anything? Probably. Regardless of skill level, knowledge of the subject, experience. So, so I'll tell us. I'll share a story from um, Amin Al Hassan from ESPN. Mm-hmm. He used to work as a GM in the NBA with the Suns. Yeah, the Suns. and one of the reasons he said he doesn't do it anymore is because you have owners who come in and they think because so tip you know to buy a team you've got to be a billionaire. They you've got to be because good. they own the team. They know more about basketball. Well, not even necessarily that because they had to be successful to get to be a multi-billionaire to even make enough money. So whatever they, everything they've done in life, they've been good at. So they automatically assume because they've never failed or have never really been bad. Oh, this is just another thing I need to conquer. I'll be good at it. It's just going to take time and they're not good at it. So they don't hire the right people. They don't put the right people around them. They don't ask the right questions. And I think that's what this kind of is. Only Lou is a little bit more delusional because he really wasn't all that successful. He was just kind of a con man. Yeah. And But I think he thought because he'd just been so successful at doing this that he could just do it. So, yeah, I really do think he probably was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you just get some, you know, five dudes and you know, teach them how to dance, teach them how to sing, yeah, put that out, you know? Well, you, you heard Dave Holmes explain. It's like, you know, it's always three guys or five guys. Never four. Never four, <laughs> unless it was five and somebody left. Like, <laughs> but I think that, um, in, I don't know if it was the, the, I don't think basically anything that Lou Perlman said, as far as his stories, mm-hmm. like I didn't, I didn't believe them coming from him. No, <laughs> Not, no. Like, so 
going like later on is like, okay, so that new kids on the block story didn't happen the way he said. <laughs> it, it, maybe he saw them one time and he saw a bunch of people trying to get autographs and he asked somebody, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's new kids on the block. Oh, okay. Uh, what's their story? <laughs> and then he, and th- yeah, so some random guy, the janitor at the airport explained <laughs> it to him. And then that turns into, <laughs> they were renting my plane. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so yeah. But uh, I do find it interesting that Maury Star never comes up. No, but well, I think with him, with Maury Star, uh, I think for the most part, probably for the past twenty-five years, mm-hmm. he's mostly stayed out of the public eye. Mm-hmm. You'll see a few pictures here and there, but I think he's mostly stayed out of the public eye. Um, you know, he had the, after there was new edition, there was new kids on the block. And then he had a group called perfect gentlemen with his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his son wasn't even the lead singer. I don't know if his son could sing at all. Uh, and then after that, I don't know what he did. And that, that group disbanded like 93. So by up. then, <laughs> I mean, was he just like, let me just collect my new kids on the block checks. Yeah. And and keep it moving. That's what um, I would do. <laughs> uh, I did write that like I saw like some parallels to because we just talked about Dream Girls, mm-hmm. like some parallels mm-hmm. as far as um, putting the kind of the people he put in the group or what he was looking for or what he was trying to um, uh accomplish as far as the other acts that he had mm-hmm. uh like he had like backstreet boys took off first and nsync was struggling so it's funny because they talk about that i guess i just don't remember a time where they struggled um i, I mean, remember for, being for, excited for when... us like everything probably took off in 97 98 mm-hmm. um and it was like it all like all happened all at one time. Mm-hmm. But in those, if they were did, if if the Backstreet Boys did the, <laughs> like the three year thing to up to this first album, NSYNC was doing the same thing. Yeah. And if they're doing these local shows, they're probably at malls and mm-hmm. state fairs or whatever. And it's not it's not really clicking the way they thought it would. Yeah. Or if they're going over to Germany or whatever, and it's not clicking like they thought it would, who knows what's going to happen when they, if they're ever going to, if there ever is going to be a time where they cross over to the United States. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden what happens, Disney wants to put on this show. Yeah. I didn't remember them the being Backstreet a small Boys deal, you know? <laughs> turned it down and NSYNC is like, okay, we'll do it. And no one had ever heard of. But if they're, I don't know if the special is at Disney World or or yeah, whatever. It was at Disney World, yeah. Um. So it's a concert, but the fans like knew the song. So I don't know, mm-hmm. like if it was was some of the stuff pre-recorded or it, something like that. That's what it makes it me was wonder because they like blew up after that. I thought they were already big. I don't remember them being like. I remember when they announced the concert, I was excited. I was like, oh, it's in sync, and they're like, yeah, we were struggling. I'm like, y'all were struggling. Maybe I misremembered. You know, maybe it's the Mandela effect, and I'm just misremembering, but. Yeah, they knew the songs. Like, did they just like must be an NSYNC fan or something that they teach them before the show? Like, I don't, I don't know. As it was when I, when they said that though, it's like 
Yeah, this is when Little Richard and, uh, left and gave up the piano <laughs> and never got it back. <laughs> <laughs> they were Wally Pipped on the Disney <laughs> Like, you just, you don't do that. Like, they got there and they did Caledonia <laughs> and they burned down the house. And it was just like, that's one of those what ifs. Like, what if the Backstreet Boys took the show? That, that was like, so insane persevering is the Backstreet Boys' fault. Yeah, like what happens? And I almost wonder, like maybe Lou was like, oh, you guys just need to rest. You guys have been working really hard, you know, don't worry. And then he's like, give it to NSYNC. Like he's like, you know, he's playing two sides of the same, you know. Yeah, he, he just like, hey, guys, I got a great opportunity for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a but, Disney Channel show. But it's a, that's a big what if. Like what if, if Backstreet Boys take that show, does NSYNC just fizzle out? Yeah. And we never hear from them? You know, a lot of things could happen. A lot of things happen then. And the show is so great. They said they it was played every day yeah. for a month. I can believe it. Because that was back when Disney Channel was doing those big concerts. So apparently the one of the people who was uh, one of the creators of the Liz McGuire show created that concert series. That was her baby. I know they had, um, I think Bewitched was one of them. Hmm. Didn't work for them. No. <laughs> they didn't blow up like NSYNC. <laughs> Uh, but along with NSYNC and Johnny Lang, who that seemed to be the one that just really did not fit. Yeah. Like you got this young, he's young, right he's like a blues guitar blues. player. It's just like, and he's really good. If you don't know who Johnny Lang is, I go check him out. He's still playing to this day and he's still good. But like that just did not fit. I mean, like that's like putting corn up there. Like <laughs> it just didn't make, that might have been better actually because at least <laughs> corn's on TRL, you know, but like who, Johnny Lang? Like no one got that. <laughs> Hell, I was playing guitar then, and I didn't get it. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it was weird. But that NSYNC concert, though, was the bomb. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's just weird to think that there was ever a time where, you know, that they were struggling. You know, the, they show the scene in the bus where they're like, they're pretending fans are chasing them. I'm like, oh, God, that's cringy, man. Yeah. And you uh, hear a yeah. really thick accent from Justin Timberlake in that in that scene. He, I guess he had just gotten in from Tennessee or something. But like, he got a voice coach or something. Yeah, and his mom, <laughs> his mom still got it. She mm-hmm. still has it. But like, oh yeah, look at them fans. I was like, that's that's Justin, man of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think of of Lou pitting the groups against each other for marketing purposes? Oh, it's after we know what, what we know about Lou. That's classic Lou. that's classic Lou like he's in there just like Lance said he was afraid of the Backstreet Boys like what was he saying (laughs) afraid of them why I don't he said I didn't know what they were gonna do he's like I didn't know if they're gonna yell at us like is Lou saying like bruh Backstreet Boys said if they see you it's on site like (laughs) (laughs) like he's like and they're tall and they're doing push-ups and they take boxing lessons and if they see you it is on site like i'm telling you and so lance was just like oh my god or maybe he had a crush on him i don't know you know he said he was still closeted and yeah so but I, yeah he said he was scared <laughs> and that's i just I can't got, imagine i want to fight these guys <laughs> I'm trying to dance. Trying to dance to six songs. On site, man. I don't know why I think of like, what if there was like a video of like a a, a VHS tape sent to them, like Wade sent to, uh, sent to. Oh, God. Sent to Elgin and and David. Oh, God. Real world style. (laughs) 
That would be hilarious. <laughs> like, you know, me and me and the Backstreet Boys, we don't practice. We just do it. <laughs> oh, Backstreet God. Boys in sync tonight, the warehouse. Oh God. Yeah, I just I I would like to know because he didn't elaborate. All he said is like I didn't know if they're gonna yell at me or <laughs> like it's just like that's what has you scared that they might yell at you. Um but no, I mean I think it was one of those things where he kind of said, like, you know, why should, you know, why should someone else manage the Backstreet Boys competitor? I'll manage them. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a conflict of interest, but it worked. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those things where it's just like both of you were equally successful. Um, One maybe slightly more than the other. And you could maybe say it's just maybe because they were there first and that's why. But, like. No one in NSYNC until later would be complaining about the level of success that they attained um, being managed by and guided by Lou Pearlman. So even if it was a conflict of interest, you were still and still incredibly successful. And, you know, don't just I don't know. It, it kind of felt I don't want to say disingenuine because maybe at the time you're like, God, we're being lied to. We're being manipulated. But it worked. He clearly knew what he was doing or he felt like he knew what he was doing. And it just happened to work somehow. Um, the next thing I had was about the, the check presentation. <laughs> so to me, that felt like the scene in new edition, the new edition movie. Yeah. I thought they were going to get 87 cents. <laughs> yeah. It was $3 and 87 yeah. cents. Something like that. Something like that. Um, so this is kind of where I go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the episode today. So as, as we said with NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, before they even, you know, probably made any real money, practice, practice, yeah. I'm feeding you guys, I'm housing you guys, I'm clothing you. Um, he said, I'm getting you vocal lessons, I'm hiring songwriters. Like, I'm basically making an investment in you. And now that you guys have gotten big, here's, you know, here's some money. However, I got to get my, what'd you say? I got to get my recoupables because Mm -hmm. I've put millions of dollars into you. So here we go. You know, we've we've got Lou who's fronting the money for this. Now, in a regular business, you know, if I was a venture capitalist and I was one of the people who got in at the ground floor of Uber and Uber has their IPO, their initial public offering, I'm expecting to get some money back, you know, because I've for years and years put money as a venture capitalist into into Uber. So when that IPO goes public, I expect to get something back. Um, Should Lou Perlman expect to get something back? You know, this was a he was essentially being a venture capitalist, putting money in an unknown commodity. They blew up. He put in the most. Should he get the most out? But then again, this is music where now they're hot commodities. Yeah. You know, they're one of the biggest acts in the world and they have options. Sort of. They're in a contract. (laughs) (laughs) So they have options. They're talented enough to have options, but legally they don't have options. So that's why I can kind of feel like, well, damn, I'm out here. I'm singing. I'm dancing. I'm one of the best at what I do, but I'm not getting paid like it. But then again, you were kind of getting paid really well when you were nobodies. So, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like you don't want to root for the bad guy. But, man, like, 
is Lou just supposed to get like nothing <laughs> for everything he put in? Because then what's the where's the where's the upside? Like where's the why would I put anything in if just you know when you get big you're just gonna not let me have anything? I mean I think that's a fair question. Um, maybe they didn't like how he went about it. That's and so that is one way it's kind of handy. And you know for me like. You can be ungrateful over ten thousand dollars based on the amount of work they yes. just put in. And you can I felt be ungrateful over ten thousand dollars. Get to be like, I mean, it's a lot of no, bro. For as no, much not, work as you like, did, no. that is not that much. And they showed that comparison <laughs> over to yeah. what a server makes over the course of a year. Yeah, and what they did over the course of three, years? three, yeah. three, four years. Yeah, you can be ungrateful over that. It was more than what Do Edition got. But you can still be ungrateful. And he just felt so uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to be ungrateful and get canceled. But <laughs> but the, it was all the other things that they it was the recoupables mm-hmm. like they the, the per diem they were getting. That was actually their own money. Yeah. The the fancy dinners. That was actually their now, own money. That was that was that was giving. Now, yeah, I would say give them a choice. Yeah. Like, let them know up front, like, these fancy dinners is coming out of your recoupables. If you want to go to McDonald's, we can go to McDonald's. Or if you want to go here, and then maybe they make that choice. And I think maybe, I would say, like, I'm going to go to Laurie's all the time. Yeah, I would <laughs> let them know, you know, this is future money's earned. Yeah. Because essentially that's what it was, future money's earned. Because it was being spent on them, they just didn't know. Yeah. And I do think that's, like you said, like if he was more upfront with them, maybe it would have been because then at that point it is your choice. Like if you're like, yeah, I want Gucci instead of like, you know, Target brand Massimo, I think was popular at the yeah. time. <laughs> then, you know, that's one thing. But if it's like, you know, you're not being told that like, you know, because I think they were FUBU at the time, which is weird. Just to yeah, see them I know NSYNC FUBU. did. They were matching FUBU jerseys. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. But um, yeah, so I, I do think that's where a lot of the the disdain came from like you know that this i just imagine like the 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 anticipation like oh man how much is it gonna be like how much are we gonna get paid you don't even know my mom was like if they all get a million dollars like i felt like that was kind of lofty you know i don't know his mom kind of bothered me a lot lance's mom yeah she looked yeah. kind of creepy oh it wasn't even that for me it was you knew as much as lance did <laughs> Um, what do you think of like during when they with the lawsuit and everything Lou had made himself a member of the group of both groups yeah so I still convinced them that that was the the, right way to go and I just I I still don't really quite understand his logic um, as to where he was coming from and that right there is, is is a pretty good con to pull off um, I think I I do think that was kind of scummy. Because that because I remember. guess the you know talking about him mm-hmm. getting back what he put in, mm-hmm. but you're, it's like you're making money off of them in two ways. Yeah. Um, if it was just one him as you know the manager, and you get a the producer, yeah. you get the percentage. That's one thing, and we're probably not even telling the story. Yeah. But you made yourself a member of the group. So they're not splitting. So they're not splitting money five ways that you're already making off of them. They're splitting it six ways. So they're even getting they're getting even less. 
Plus, we we have no way of knowing too, and this is and where it came, and they didn't know what he's. Well, we have no way of knowing what he's giving himself. Right. He can. You know, it's it's definitely it's definitely wasn't even. Yeah, he could be giving himself, <laughs> or he was giving himself more than they were getting. Yeah. You know, for all we know, he could have been taking their recoupables and splitting it up amongst you know him and keeping his recoupables. Like, oh man, thanks for the dinner at Larmy's. Thanks, man. Like, <laughs> y'all pay for my dinner, and I'm keeping my recoupables. So that that definitely did not sit well with me that he did that. Not yeah. at all. Um. So they eventually win the lawsuit. And then at this point in the film, they rewind back to Queens, New York, <laughs> and this paper route story. <laughs> I did write Lou was a sociopath. That, like, That's it what started I wrote it there. Too. It yep. started there with the, the paper route story. Louis the liar. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's like it was so unnecessary. Yeah. But you you he was going to sell you the paper route for $500 in the mid sixties at best. It's a lot of money. Back you're then. like, you're like 10 years old. Yeah. That's, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what close to $2,000 now. Like that's a lot of money to, for something back then. Just to get the paper route. Yeah. And then somehow he comes up with this. But that doesn't even make sense to, to sell the paper route. Yeah. His ideas of how to make money off of it and buy other paper routes and get something with Dunkin' Donuts and yeah, it's like, like you could have just stopped at the he sold me the paper route. <laughs> well, it doesn't even make sense to but to just, to sell a paper route. Yeah, it's like oh he, he got me this paper route and then and then I'm I, then I thought about all this, but the selling of the paper route part that that still doesn't make sense. None of it. And if it's this other kid who's also nine or ten years old, it's like I want five hundred dollars. What are you a mafia boss? <laughs> oh, like what? Yeah. Is, what is that? Like it? <laughs> that was the that was a ridiculous story. But I thought that was the only one. But there was more. Oh yeah, no. There's this is Louis, Louis the liar. The Art Garfunkel story. Yeah, but he showed but, up. He showed up. But they ain't cousins. But. <laughs> It's that small part. They don't know that. <laughs> Other people don't know that. No. And Art Garfunkel, who knows? He probably saw. Is he still alive? Is Art Garfunkel? Yes. He probably saw this and was like, he said what? Like, he probably saw this. Like, hey, bro. Hey, yo, Art. Uh, did you know Louis Perlman? <laughs> yeah, the little fat kid. From- <laughs> He's like, he said y'all were cousins. He said what? We're what? No. <laughs> Not even. Like who? <laughs> that had to be that had to be a shock to Art Garfunkel. You know the the kid. You, I mean, you you performed at his his bar mitzvah yesterday. Uh, oh, that was I just I got paid to to do that. Like they said, oh, the Louis, he's a he's a big Art Garfunkel fan. He just wants you to come in and sing a song. Oh, I can. And I could can you do change that. darkness to Louis? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Louis, my old friend. Oh my God, he really does. Oh him. my God, he really is your cousin. Oh my God, let's be friends. <laughs> That's what Lou. That's what Lou is thinking. <laughs> that's what Lou is thinking. Yeah, if I if I say he's my cousin, and then and then he sings and he puts my song in there, and then I I have all the friends. Everyone wants to hang with Louie. Oh God, and get paper friends. Louie the liar. <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 story was ridiculous, and there's an <laughs> even more ridiculous story. 
with the Jordash blimp. Yeah, that was <laughs> so I imagine that one that one that one hurt him. That one did hurt him. Yeah. Um fifty was it fifty thousand dollars worth of gold paint? Whose idea was that? <laughs> and then like so what's even funnier is like you think about these brands that aren't really around anymore. Like Jesus Christ, is that a throwback? Jordash, Jordash, like, and they were a big deal back in the eighties, huge. And it's just like no one, like, Him you could Gloria ask somebody, Vanderbilt jeans. someone under like thirty, <laughs> was Jordash, like, fucking, was Jordash? I never heard of Jordash. Like, uh, that was that was that's actually pretty a, a pretty funny part. But yeah, he's got uh, the blimp that's like he kind of started the blimp and... advertising though, because yeah. a lot of it's still being done today, oh, yeah. and it's a totally normal thing. Um, then I got he, he charmed the hell out of these these older people about investing in Transcon. So uh, that that's when it got sad. Yeah, you know everything he did to, um, I mean I would maybe say outside of the call from innocence because I I do think he. I think for that alone, if everything that she's saying is true, he should have been locked up right then for that. But yeah. that's another story. But it got really sad and kind of turned into an episode of American Greed by the end of it because then you really realized the real scam. You know, the the faking that he had an airline and, and milking old people. I think they said 2,100 people out of their life savings. Right. And it sucks because when this happens – and maybe this is something that, you know, legislation needs to pass. Like, none of these people get their money back. You're just screwed. Yeah. You know, yeah, Lou Proven goes to jail, but, like. Like, how can, how can people com- be protected yeah. if they are unknowingly part of a Ponzi scheme? Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, is that even really justice? Like, yeah, he went to I, jail, but, like, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm destitute. Like, I saw a, <laughs> uh, uh, a video of. This was from 2013. This was right after the conviction, I believe. And it was a guy from the Wall Street Journal. He's talking to three members of the Backstreet Boys. And they're like, so, uh, you know, this thing with Lou Pearlman, he was found guilty. He's in prison. Uh, and part of his um, part of his sentence is paying restitution. Uh, so does he if, does he have writing does he still get royalties from any of your songs is is that how he's able to make payments and they're like oh, no <laughs> he doesn't own anything yeah <laughs> so um so it, it so i it was it got me thinking like man how how would he have been able to pay restitution mm-hmm. what money is there and in the in some of the calls he was um he was trying to he was trying to start another boy band from jail. Yeah, said, yeah, get, if I can have access like, to a computer and a phone. This diabolical. Yeah, he was going to try to set up another con. Um, yeah. Um, the guy Lou had as his lawyer, uh, he got played too. So I, that was funny because at first, so it's like, the the thing about this documentary is it's kind of like an M Night Shyamalan movie. There's a lot of twists. Yeah, like you're up front, you're thinking like, oh man, things are going fine, and like it just keeps devolving and evolving and devolving and de- like it just yeah. it never and you're just like surely it can't get worse. And then he conned old people out of their like oh god it got worse. <laughs> like and then it's like oh well it can't get. Worse. Then he conned his lawyer that defended him. It's like what the. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. Uh, also, with the the lawyer, because he he defended uh, Casey Anthony. Yeah, 
Uh, Maybe he deserved it. Let me start. <laughs> 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 uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, you know what's there to apologize for? Uh, <laughs> he should apologize. I mean, hey, everyone deserves. This is America. Everyone deserves their right to a to a, a trial and yada yada yada. But she's scum, and that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, yeah. I had to make a note about the prayer circle. I don't know Me which too. side they were on. They were probably on the boys' side. Their fans are. That's just like, come on, yeah. man. We all doing, man. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, the judge made her decision with logic, <laughs> and I felt like that was refreshing to yeah. me. It's like, uh, so you're saying you're the sixth member of NSYNC, <laughs> sing a song, <laughs> or or the Backstreet Boys, and you're saying that's your name and not. And you're you're saying you're 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 in sync or the Backstreet Boys and not these guys over here whose pictures on my mm-hmm. daughter's wall. <laughs> this reminded me of when John Fogarty had to get up and sing his songs in court. To prove- <laughs> he was being sued by his old band for plagiarizing like himself. That's, that's what it kind of felt like. It's like, all right, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> like, are they going to ask Lou to sing a song like you're in sync? Yeah. Sing Turn Up My Heart and, and do the choreography. Well, I'm not that kind of member. <laughs> like, all right, I rule in favor oh, of NSYNC. Oh, so, no, it was like, oh, so do you play an instrument? Uh, I'm not that kind of member either. I'm instrumental. Uh, so did you write the songs? I'm I'm not that kind of I wrote about either. the songs. <laughs> I wrote the checks for the songs. Oh, God, so None what do you that do? that counts. I'm Big Papa Lou. <laughs> What does that mean, sir? <laughs> it means I do things that I can't talk about in an open court. <laughs> That's what it means. <laughs> I gave them alcohol. <laughs> like, goes, I mean, it was those, those. I'm sorry, but those parties were out of line. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, the, oh, boy. Uh, these boy band parties like, ugh. Yeah. What do you mean boy band party? I mean, it looked like there were girls there, but that might have been innocent. I, I don't even yeah. remember their faces. Well, I mean, if they were, clearly he didn't seem he was interested in women. <laughs> you know, Lance no. said that he, you know, he was like, I'm closeted. I was closeted at the time. And he said he, he just he assumed he that he was gay. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, he seemed to be into into younger boys um, and then seemed to like to use the women there to entice the young boys. <laughs> Um, so, you know, one of the scummier things he did, if not the scummiest thing, was that he he filmed. Oh, the tanning the girl, bed? Yeah, the, the girl group in the tanning bed and showed it to the boys in the boy bands when she uh, refused to sign the NDA. Um, he basically gave a, a thinly veiled death threat. Yeah, th- yeah th- <laughs> it wasn't thinly veiled. I have insurance that was on not you. thinly veiled. It'd be a shame mm-hmm. if something happened to you. Like that's that's got to be terrifying, you know. That's, um, that and 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 that's why I say for just for that alone, I would have put him in jail, like for indeed for you know filming a. I don't know how old these girls were, but probably barely legal, if if that. Yeah. Like that's just that's out of line right there. Speaking of, uh, well, another creep story. The Rich Cronin story that he told on Howard Stern that yeah. Ashley Parker Angel relayed. So that's when I was like, okay, so we're full K-pop now. Yeah. Like this is, you have them in a boot camp, and now you're trying to essentially prostitute them out to foreign rich people. 
under the guise of that's just how it's done. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but he went a step further. He's like trying to get them comfortable. Oh, you, you can practice on me. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. But that is, did the K-pop folks get that from him? Or was it, did he get that from Jim? Yeah, which one came first? I don't know. <laughs> it's But it's like, that's, so that's when I think I just wrote like, uh, he, he's a pedo? He's a pedophile. That's, I mean, that's only thing I can think of. And Well, no, because they were, they were of age, right? Touche. They were of age, yeah. But the, the barely legal. He's a predator. At, in the, predator. You know, at a predator the very at, at, yeah. Yeah. At, at, yeah. Um, we're talking about the tanning bed. So uh, one of the things, though, that they mentioned right around that, you know, around that story, mm-hmm. Ashley Angel mentioned, like, everyone knew he was crooked. Everyone knew that something was well, up. Because yeah, he because O-Town came along after, after he got the lawsuit. Sued. Yeah. So and so this kind of goes to my statement about personal responsibility. You know what he's doing. Yeah, I, I had a note. Uh, are you going to listen to your lawyer or are you going to listen to Lou? Exactly. So. Same thing. There, every person took it to their lawyer. Their lawyer told them, "This is career." That's what she, the girl from Innocence. This is career suicide. Like, don't do sign not it. sign. And I this. signed it. Like, oh my god. Told the guy for <laughs> take five. You know, it's a bad contract, but it may be the only one that you see ever. So he signed it. So at what point <laughs> does personal responsibility come into this? You've got professionals that you've hired to watch your back. And and people saw, like, them signing the contract, they saw the success. Mm-hmm. And this after the lawsuit, and I wrote that, like, after the lawsuit, Lou dug in even harder with yeah. the other groups. He wasn't going to let that happen. Trying again. to catch lightning in a bottle again. Mm-hmm. But the music had changed. Yeah. Time had passed, and even it was just a few years, but still, mm-hmm. it was enough Enough time had passed where it's everything you do, we've seen this already. Yeah. Uh, so, well, he, he dug in yeah. even harder, and I think that was what, you know, they're saying he had a way with words. You know, he was able to convince <laughs> people of anything. So he stepped that part of his game up. Yeah. And then they signed these contracts anyway. But even they know, but they're thinking, oh, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, we can be that big. You and didn't we'll see figure that. It out later. You didn't see yeah. the lawsuit and why they were suing him in the first yeah. place. Like, they probably thought, like, we'll blinded. figure it out later. You know, f- sign the contract, get the exposure. <laughs> we'll figure it out later. And at that point, it's just like, w- at what point are you just held responsible for signing a bad contract? That you knew was bad, you know? You knew it was bad. You knew the guy was a creep. You signed the contract anyway. And so that's 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 kind of where, because for all we know, so, you know, with documentaries, there's always a slant, there's always a side. For all we know, um, we have no way of knowing if NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys truly knew what they were getting themselves into. There's I don't a think chance. they knew. There's they, a- they, I don't think they knew. Because, like, they were first. Touche. They were first. They were first. So I don't think they knew. They just saw that he that he was putting this together. Mm-hmm. This is something they were trying to do. You had Justin and JC were already on the Mickey Mouse Club, so they're trying to make something out of that. So there was no lawyer though that read this contract and was like, hey, "No, bro, this is bad." Bro. They saw this, this as an opportunity. 
They saw, oh, this guy, he's going to take care of us. We mm -hmm. get to live in this big house. He's going to give us choreographers and, and vocal lessons, and we don't have to worry about any money. Mm -hmm. We don't have to worry about anything. We just have to focus on the music. Yeah. It looked like it was a slam dunk to them, even though they're like 15, 16 years old, mm -hmm. slam dunk. It's a, it, like, yeah, where do I sign? You want $100 for all my songs? Where, where do, do I, I sign, sign Mr. Barry Gordy? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, John Mulaney, funny guy. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to think that they were that naive I don't want to think that they didn't get because they said, oh, when you're rehearsing with this, you don't think to have your lawyers look over something. And they couldn't afford a lawyer like J.C. hired. A, like He had a cousin who was a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> had them look over the contract. Yeah, I guess so. It's just that just made me that made me wonder, because, you know, by the by the early 2000s, they were hip to the game. You know, people knew what was up and lawyers were, were you know, that was and I guess that was one of the more striking parts of of the um, documentary is when they said they knowingly signed bad contracts, yeah. you know? And it, you know, made me think back to, because I don't think TLC realized how bad their contract was, but John Resnick of the Google Doll straight up said when they signed theirs, they knew it was not a good contract, but he's like, when someone's dangling your dream in front of you, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Um, So I, I just, I do wonder, but you know, I don't, I don't know, cause by, like we like we said, they they were hip to the game. Like this is what she said, career suicide. <laughs> <laughs> this is career suicide. Um, so the the I there's a part I wanted to get to because we're coming up on uh, two hours here. But I'm having fun. I know. <laughs> um, so there's the 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 transcon investigation. Uh, he's making the political contributions and i wrote that that can tell a lot about a person more than people want to admit mm -hmm. who you give money to as far as a political contribution mm -hmm. um the, the staging at the office for the fbi oh that sounds hilarious like no one's looking <laughs> no up. one's looking up <laughs> like eight people walk through my office i'm looking up every time like yeah. who, who's that who are you oh, okay um they closed that investigation for her <laughs> So yeah, that 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 was one of those. Um, you you get down or you stay down. <laughs> like are you lay lay down or you know get put down? Um, she stuck her nose where it wasn't supposed to be. She was trying to be Elliot Ness, and they were like, "Nah, dear, no." Um, of course the the representative who is now in Congress, of course he declined to be interviewed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would decline too. Yeah. Um. So right. he. <laughs> When they raided his office, raided Transcon records, apparently the, the documents he left in the office weren't important enough to take with him, but they were damning enough. Yeah. Um, one new I wanted to get to, the model airplane. That was genius. I mean, I, I know it's a like, con. Oh, That's messed man. up. Um, but didn't, who was it that did that not too long ago on like Instagram with like a, with a, like a car? And like they put it in the driveway and had it washing and everything, but it was like a really close up picture. Like, yeah, check out my range and all this stuff. I feel I like it was Bow Wow, wow but I, I know he did, wow. a, he did that with a he did that with a with a plane too, right? With like, yeah, like he was getting 
he was getting on a private jet, but that was just a stock photo. Yeah. He was really flying coach. Yeah. And so when someone like immediately <laughs> had a picture of him, <laughs> yo, he flying coach. <laughs> so, I mean, it was Lou, you know, he was like, you don't have to know this. I don't, this isn't my plane. He's like, or there is no plane. Yeah, there, there's no plane. He's like, <laughs> oh, we're flying Delta. We're flying all these places, but never Transcon. <laughs> never Transcon. No one talks about Transcon. Like, I never heard Transcon in a little airline. What they fly out of? Where the hub at? <laughs> they don't have a hub. Orlando. Mm-hmm. Show me to the show me to the Transcon <laughs> terminal. <laughs> Does not exist. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. Then okay, he he finessed his own lawyer because somehow. Wow. Yeah, no, wow. it's, it's impressive. It's he was he was good at what he did. Finesse his own lawyer out of the um how did it go? Oh, with the record. So basically it's like, okay, you'll be my lawyer for this case, but not really. Mm-hmm. I got another lawyer, lawyer. for the case. <laughs> and he sued him for what, sixteen million dollars? And he never got paid either. Yeah. And like, oh, he's going to wire me the money from this bank account in Germany. That does not exist. Yeah. (laughs) That's when it turned into American Greed. And I expected to hear Stacey Keach start talking because it was just (laughs) like, yeah, it was. That's when you that's when. And I don't know which which it's called the boy band con. But like that was that was the real con to me. What he did that last what they showed him doing the last 30 minutes. Yeah. With Transcon with. The milking people out of their money, um, the Ponzi scheme essentially that held yeah. everything up was just disgusting. Um, like like so like we said like the the two two of the biggest boy bands of all time were created by way of a scam mm-hmm. that continued long after they he stopped using yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so he gets arrested in Bali eating breakfast, that and was like hilarious. the arrests always seem to happen like that. It was hilarious. They're in bre- they're eating <laughs> breakfast. 10 feet from him. <laughs> so our, our our informant got impatient and sent us a picture. Oh, he's right there. Like, that was funny to me. Um, I, I'm just imagining, like, you know, if this, because this was, what, 2014, 2015? He's arrested. I think that was 2012. 2012. So I'm trying to think where they're, how quickly did they get the picture? Because he said they emailed it. So was it like a Blackberry or something? Because they got the picture fast enough to be able to pounce on him while he was eating breakfast. So it had um, to be like a very quick. If they sent it by email or if they, 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 they might have sent it by text message. Yeah. They just turned around like, oh, there he is. Like, <laughs> it's like him like, hey, how, John. How, how fast was that relay? <laughs> He's probably got an earpiece. Uh, yes, the subject's right behind you. Say, like, turn around, John. Turn around. Oh, put his plate. Turn around. So no, no, turn around. No, turn around slowly. slowly Spit his eggs slowly, out. Slowly. <laughs> what are you? It's Lou Pearlman. It's Lou Pearlman. <laughs> like, shut up, man. Shut up. <laughs> hey, you're Lou Pearlman. Oh yes, yes, that's yes. me. Would, would, you, me? would you like an autograph? <laughs> you're under arrest. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's me, the Lou Pearlman of Jordash fame, of Transcon fame. <laughs> <laughs> innocence fame it's like <laughs> take five C name note, all the yes. failures c-note yeah <laughs> was like an autograph like, <laughs> i I could imagine him saying that he he seemed that cocky well yeah like uh, after when he's in jail trying to you know pay back the restitution mm-hmm. he's trying to create another boy band from like the balls on this dude said he'd be out soon 
on that phone call. But he's being framed. Who's framing you? You don't have friends. (laughs) You don't have friends, Lou. (sighs) Or your your one friend, you treat him like crap. Yeah. It was yeah. It's a it 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 just. Like, what are we talking about? The end got sad. The end end got sad because you then you did really kind of truly realize how lonely he really was. And then Alan said, um, like, and I guess that that last phone conversation, he felt like he got cheated. You ain't the only one. Yeah, you're not the only one who got cheated. Like the the I can't remember her name, but the girl from Innocence, no closure for her. Yeah, none. The none guy from her. Take Five, no closure for him. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I think it was it was either Lance or AJ saying you have everything, but and I, and I wrote the like credit wasn't enough. Just getting credit wasn't enough for Lou. Mm-hmm. He had to keep going, and and then the guy telling that thing about the primary material, like with the George Washington letters, mm, that was a very I, I like that. Like even primary material can be wrong. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to get to, because I, I didn't mention it all, I wanted to wait for towards the end. <laughs> Aaron Carter. Yeah, so um I wrote Aaron Carter compromised. Like he defended w- him so hard. And uh, I saw an interview, uh, cause someone asked asked Lance Bass about it while he's mm-hmm. promoting the film. Someone asked him about Aaron Carter, and he's like at first, he's like, yeah, we had to fight to get Aaron Carter in because he wasn't part of a boy band, but he's just as important to the story mm-hmm. because Lou managed him. And we're thinking Aaron's going to tell, you know, some some crazy stories, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But he defended him from beginning to end. Yeah, fervently. And I, the first thing I said was, uh, well, yeah, like it could get worse for Aaron Carter. And then I said, um, what was the next thing I said? Do you believe Aaron Carter? Like, does anyone believe yeah. what Aaron Carter's saying? Especially about the tanning bed. He's like, I use that tanning bed hundreds of times. And my mom would my check, mom it. check it. Was she sweeping with for bugs or something? Like, I don't, like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I, I think, if anything, what probably happened was Lou Perlman was literally like a father to him in a time where his family was, was largely probably absent. You're, you're, yeah. Cause he said like he, they didn't see Nick for years. Yeah. You d- never see your brother. Your mother is probably more. And, know, concerned he, and Aaron Carter came up after the lawsuit. Yeah. So he probably saw him as like, you know, this guy took care of me. And, you know, like you said, like, the mean streets of, of, of Tampa, I think is where Tampa. he's from. Tampa. Um, like what really could have happened to him out there? I don't purport to know Aaron Carter's life. I know he's he's um he's had some drug abuse problems. Maybe Lou saved him. I don't know, but like I, I, I just I can only imagine like he had there was something some kind of really strong connection they had that maybe Lou just did not take advantage of. Or it's the other extreme that Lou like took advantage of groomed him yeah yeah that's the word i'm looking for groomed him compromised him and that's why he's like to the death i will defend lou i can't believe you guys are sitting here talking about him i use that tanning bed all the time my mom swept for bugs with james bond type devices we found (laughs) nothing like it was it was and it it did kind of have i mean 
it it did kind of have what seemed like someone who was groomed, who was, you know, got he, the worst. He's the of only it. one who had consistently good things to say about Lou. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, Aaron, you are alone on this one. Yeah, you're not winning this fight, man. You are alone yeah. on this, which just makes it seem like he he got it the worst. Yeah, and he was he was he was groomed, but he got it as a result of being groomed. He got it the worst, but he did not deal with it, and so it turned into, you know, I don't want to say Stockholm syndrome, but it turned into like, no, I'm not going to go against him. It was kind of it was scary to watch. This I did I forgot how bad it was. The first time and watching it again, I was like, this is uncomfortable. And then he starts getting, he gets mad. He takes the mic off, you know, he, just like it was, it was very uncomfortable, but I'm glad they left it in because yeah. it could have taken it out because it does not fit their narrative. It right. It doesn't fit the narrative. And it's, I think that we're looking for whatever that person, if that person thinks they're being honest, mm-hmm then that's what they want to show. Yeah. You and know, because I, I think if 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 it looked, if it didn't look genuine, we don't see it. Yeah. Because um, even with, like, Lance, he has good memories. Like, he's like, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without mm-hmm. Lou. But he's clearly conflicted. Yeah. AJ, clearly conflicted. Uh Less, I think, less more. JC less so than... doesn't have an opinion. <laughs> he should, because you're in, you're in the same boat as 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 the other guys. I think AJ was less conflicted than the others. I think, I think like like Lance, he understands, but I think he was a little more. He had a little bit more conviction in saying that like Lou was messed up. Well, yeah, because it was because of I think they said because of Brian. Uh, oh, and Brian coming in like this is messed up. Like, I would love to have seen that because Brian. Yeah, because it was like, like Brian and Justin were talking to each other like this yeah. is messed up. Lou's doing all this stuff. We need to do something. Yeah, and the other guys almost didn't go on go along yeah. with it. Like Brian did not seem like a like the like the upspoken outspoken one to me. Like I would have expected that person to be AJ because AJ was always the, the rebel. Yeah, of the, the, he had the the Brian rebel was like the was the you know the good boy where you know. AJ was the bad was the rebel. Nick Carter was kind of like the immature bad boy, and Brian was the mature one. Like I, I would have expected Brian to be like, "All right, guys, we need to handle this like gentlemen." You know, it's not coming like, "No, this is messed up, and we're gonna sue his ass." (laughs) (laughs) I expect that from AJ. So to hear that Brian was like that, I don't know anything about Brian. (laughs) I don't know who he is. I mean, it definitely wouldn't have been Howie because he did not participate. Yeah, Howie. Uh, I think Howie's just like, I just want my money. Yeah. My family, I'm good. We're touring uh, again, guys. Like we're. we're it was going to be Kevin because Kevin looked. He looked up to Lou like a father figure, yeah. so he wasn't going to go against him. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like we we are, we are suing. Yeah, that's just I just would not. When he said Brian said that, I was like Brian, like the dude who's singing Brian McKnight songs. Brian smooth, man. Brian's. I just did not expect that. Um. But then also, yeah. I would have wanted to hear from Brian. Yeah. And then that's another reason why we wanted to hear from Justin too, because yeah. he was he was he was right there with Brian as mm-hmm. far as filing a lawsuit. Well, I just I also want to know too, what do they think of him? Like we've got because all we know is hearsay. So I'd be curious yeah. to know what they think of him because, especially Justin, because out of out of everyone that Lou has ever managed. This is the biggest thing 
to ever come from that. Yeah. Is is him. I mean, like it's a solo artist. I mean, the Backstreet Boys were big, but like NSYNC was big too. And Justin had a huge solo career. So it's like, you know, I, I would love to hear his thoughts on this. Because you are you are you're it, man. You are what Lou had been dreaming of, man. <laughs> like Lou's probably like, man, I'm used to manage that kid. Like he's probably saying that in prison. <laughs> you're in the Super Bowl pull well, that was before the since they pulled out Janet Jackson. But like even like, you know, you could be at the Grammys and say, I used to manage that kid, man. I got stories about him. <laughs> discovered him on the mickey mouse club and brought him in man i used to watch that guy dance around i always knew he was going to be a big star like in lou pro fashion you know um i just be yeah i'd be curious to hear that man i'd be really curious to hear that yeah um so um i think i think that was that was all my notes uh if you had any other notes or anything you wanted to um include here um well two things the SoundScan era and all the records being sold, the start of the SoundScan era, was definitely reminded of that. We may, we'll never see that again. Oh, not at uh, all. Ever. <laughs> not at um, all. And just the you know, and I won't go too deep into it, but I will encourage because you to go if you're listening to this, go and look it up. Old Town um, sold ten million. Ten million. Yeah. How that doesn't how? happen? How like, like I wouldn't even think they sold that many. Yeah, you don't typically sell. I mean, like you, your single might go platinum, but an album typically does not go platinum anymore off of a single. Aaron Carter sold yeah. five million, and that's even if you release an album nowadays. Like, wow. Um, the last thing, what was up with that cover of "Tearing Up My Heart" at the end? Like, who thought that Kena, was a good idea? Yeah, Kena Granite. She's one of those YouTube cover artists. You know, we talk about Boyce Avenue. She's mm-hmm. like female Boyce Avenue. Yeah, I just uh, I didn't that didn't fly. I didn't. I didn't like it. Yeah, me either. Um, if it was just a cover of Tearing Up My Heart, it didn't make sense. So, if I mean, if just the, the original version, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have made sense. So, a cover makes even less sense. Yeah, especially to end the um, the documentary with that song. Maybe they're saying that Lou was tearing up their heart. I don't know. There could I just feel like there might have been better songs to end with. <sighs> and then know. to have the, the section of them, like, reading direct quotes from Lou... Yeah, that was, that was it was kind of weird. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so it kind of ended with I wouldn't say a whimper, but <laughs> I was like, um, I mean, like, I it wasn't going to be silence, but yeah. it could have been just some generic instrumental. Yeah, <laughs> some generic pop instrumental. I mean, there were all the all the you know the documentary tropes were in there the. Um, after they say something deep, you just kind of do a quick cut and it just shows them kind of looking down reflective or something or show yeah. them in a room looking at things. I want to show the his old Alan, his friend in that room, looking at the the um, the planes and stuff, the model planes. And you can tell they're behind something and he's in focus. But what's really up close is out of focus. It had all, had all the, you know, the documentary tropes that you just have in there. Um and then, but then to end like that felt just out of place. Like they were like, "We're gonna be edgy." You spent the last hour and a half being like everyone else, and now you want to try to be different. It just, it didn't, it it didn't. Nah, just end with you end with what everyone's doing, and just credits. Like you didn't need to do all that, because <laughs> then it just made it weird. It's like you're 
It's like making the victims read the <laughs> the perpetrator's stuff. Like that's uh-uh, that's creepy because they looked uncomfortable reading it. Yeah. Um. Uh. I mean, that would do it for our discussion about the boy band con, the Lou Pearlman story. Uh. For anybody aspiring to be a talent manager, record producer, um. Yeah. You the you get all all the scrutiny that you get, you probably deserve it. <laughs> and uh for any aspiring artist, read your yeah. contract. Get an entertainment lawyer. Yeah. It's I mean, I know Protect there are people yourself. out there like Dave Chappelle and Taylor Swift trying to change, you know, as Dave said, change the way that the industry eats. It ain't changed yet. <laughs> no, if I mean the, it's worked out for them yeah. in a way. But it yeah. hasn't been the full change that I think they're looking for. You got to think if one of the biggest pop stars on the face of the planet and one of the most successful comedians of all time can't change it overnight, <laughs> just read your contracts. Like maybe 10 years down the line after proof of concepts and, and all these things have happened, it might work better. <laughs> but <laughs> for now, read your contracts. And for the love of God, like, to quote Bomani, all money ain't good money. Mm-mm. All money ain't good money because you don't want to find yourself in Germany trying to entertain some businessmen. And no, we're no, not talking no. about singing those songs. No, no, no. I mean, they might have you sing while they do it, but Ugh. yeah. That was a terrible visual. You here to perform. <laughs> perform. Let me stop. <laughs> but yeah, read your contracts, people. Please read your contracts. All right, so we'll get to... Uh, my DMX earworm of the week. Um, I feel like this is the song that defined his life. Okay. I think I know what it is, but. Oh, take a guess. Slipping. Yes. I'm falling. I can't get up. This song defined his life. Uh, they to played me. it at, a, at his court case, too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Slipping by DMX. Get it playing here, and we'll be right back. Suffer. To survive, well, that's to find meaning in the suffering. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can dance. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up. I've been through mad different faces, like Macy's, to find my way. And now I know that happy days are not far away. If I'm strong enough, I live long enough to see my kids. Doing something more constructive with the time than bids. I know because I've been there, now I'm in there. Sit back and look at what it took for me to get there. First came the ball, the drama with my mama. She got on some fly so I split and said that I'ma be that seed that doesn't need much to succeed. Strapped with mad greed, a heart that doesn't bleed. I'm ready for the world, or at least I thought I was. Back when I caught a bus, I was thinking about how short I was. Going too fast. 
lesson wouldn't last, but yo, I couldn't tell. Group homes and institutions prepared my for jail. They put me in a situation forcing me to be a man. When I was just learning to stand without a helping hand. Damn, was it my fault? Something I did to make a father leave his first kid at seven, doing my first bid. Back on the scene at 14, wrote a scheme to get more green than I'd ever seen in the dream. And by all means, I will be living high off the hog. And I never gave a fuck about much but my dog. That's my only I'd head off in my last. Just another look. Come on, head it nowhere fast. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling. I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling. I got to get up. All right, that is slipping by DMX. Um, one of the, I think this song was the the first. I don't know if you remember that all those mix CDs I had in college. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. That was on the very first one I made. Do you still have those? Uh, some of them. They don't all play. Okay, because there's a version of um, I'll Show You by Von Ray that was not is not on the album. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Like, it, you can't find yeah. that version anywhere. You, you cannot. It's a, singles, a single version of that they did. The drum sound, everything about it sounds better, but it is, is nowhere. I've, I've even tried finding them. I will pay them for a version for this song. <laughs> If they can get it for me, but yeah, I've I've been looking for years. I had it for a little bit and then I lost it. So, uh, of course, that was before you know cloud storage and stuff like that. Because if I ever find it again, I'm putting it in Google Drive, like in like three separate Google. I did that with. I remember if you know if you remember from GarageBand.com, Scott Meldrum. He had that the song called um, Spellbound, and I had lo- I thought I lost that song. And when I found it, I put it on like three hard drives (laughs) and on my phone (laughs) and in Google Drive. Like I'm not losing. I even I found him. Well, I happen to find it on one of my CDs, but like I found him on LinkedIn, on Facebook, emailed him like I want a copy of this song. Luckily, I found a copy of it. But yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So sad that 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 site went down, man. Yeah. That's like. If there were more information out there, I'd want to do an episode about that site, but there's just not. There's not. I yeah. mean, you you type in GarageBand, you get the, the Apple, Apple the, app. The only thing I know about it is the band 10 Years was the one band that got signed from them. I know that in 10 Years, it was a, uh, a modern rock band from, God, we were in college. They had that song, Wasteland. That And that's it. Like, they had that one song, but, like, they made it from GarageBand, and that's, like, and then they fold it like what a year or two later. So yeah, good memories, good memories. That was uh for those who don't know about GarageBand.com, this was pre SoundCloud, of oh, course, yeah. pre MySpace, mm-hmm. uh, pre Bandcamp. Yeah, like it, it's that it was that kind of site, but yeah. it was. It seemed like a bigger catalog, and everything was sorted by genre and mm-hmm. subgenres, um, and we found a lot of good music from there. Yeah, stuff that we still listen to to this day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as you can, we're that'll bring us to the end of this particular episode. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you Thank can you. see on the screen where you can find us. Check the show notes to see where you can. 
find us and subscribe. Leave Thanks us reviews. Uh, if you're watching on Twitch, yes, thank you for, for if you came back <laughs> after the stream went down. I'm not sure what happened because uh, there were no other hiccups. So, um, uh, so we're going to end the show. Um, had Ben make the pick of what to end the show with. The documentary ended with Akina Grannis' cover of Tearing Up My Heart. We're going to play the original <laughs> Tearing Up My Heart. <laughs> and that is going to end the show for us. Thank you all for listening and or watching. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. It's Terry.